Keep the devices in your home protected from Wi-Fi threats with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit today. Restrictions apply. In today's episode, I'm going to catch up with a former student who has started his own business and see how he is today in his current role as a safety coordinator and part-time safety consultant. This episode is powered by Safety FM. Hi, I'm Sheldon Primus, and I'm here to help you learn the business of safety consulting. This podcast, The Safety Consultant, will give you the tools to be your own boss by protecting the safety and health of others. It's a win-win. But before this episode, here's a message from our sponsor. Do you feel that your knowledge would be better served if you are your own boss? Your knowledge can help more people improve their workplace safety. Most of what you know may be wasting in a job that limits what you can do for the overall health and safety of workers. Now is the time to start your own business while you're still working for your current employer. Start your own safety consultant business with the Safety Consultant Blueprint course. Get your business legal in just a week. Brand yourself as an authority in safety, even on a shoestring budget. No more stressing about how to price your services fairly, but still make a profit. And experience the amazing feeling of being your own boss. This 100% online video course is instructor-led and will give you detailed steps to keep you focused as to what to do next to grow your business. Lay out strategies to keep you maximizing your marketing and networking efforts. And explain how to get money in between clients. Register today at safetyconsultantblueprint.com and enter the code PODCAST. Hi, everybody. This is Alan Wolford, uh, owner of Safety Seconds. Uh, but we've upgraded and rebranded to Alan the Safety Guy. I'm a big follower of both the construction and the general industry side due to the fact that one leads directly into the other. So having been trained by Mr. Primus himself, uh, I feel that that's where I started my period of ex- excelling in areas I basically faltered and dragged on like anybody else. Big start in actuality was after taking Sheldon's class for costs. Uh, at the time, I was a construction safety manager for a large chemical plant in Greenville, Tennessee. But then after taking Sheldon's cost class, I saw a big demand for the type of training that Sheldon provided. And this was for the, say again. What area are you in? Right now I'm in Greenville, Tennessee. Okay. And uh, is that mostly uh, heavy construction, heavy manufacturing? What is that area? Primarily, we do have a lot of contractors out here that do the heavy construction side. Uh, Mostly smaller construction companies work on chemical plants, uh, manufacturing facilities with clients such as, um, let's say, United Rentals, manufacturing cabs for different types of vehicles, uh, Worthington Industries working for John Deere, JLG. Uh, So a a lot of companies that everybody's familiar with 
but on the smaller side doing the uh, specialty materials. But uh, yeah, with the construction companies I've been working with lately, there's nine of them. Uh, basically, they do all brownfield projects for existing clients. And what they do is add on to existing facilities, uh, build up for new hydraulic or automated systems. So a lot of stuff that uh, we're seeing here now, uh, especially with OSHA increasing on silica, is silica safety, uh, lockout, tagout, things that some construction workers never really dealt with previously, but with mm -hmm. the new standards. And with five of the new clients, it's working with mobile equipment platforms due to the new ANSI regulations coming up in December. So a yeah. lot, of, lot of work ahead. Yeah, for those that don't know, COS is Certified Occupational Safety Specialist. You know us with all our acronyms, right? We <laughs> 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 you got to get those down, right? All the acronyms. Yeah. I get lost in the acronyms, you know? What was the catalyst for you? Uh, you said the cost class helped you think about uh, going on your own, but what was the push? Well, after that, after that class, what was like the the second week, the third week after you you sunk in what what the class was about, as well as your your direction? What what was the 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 catalyst, the pushes that got you into thinking I could do this? And that's an excellent question. And to be quite honest, the day after we left your class. Uh, we were heading back. Uh, I got notified of an incident that occurred on the project site that I was working on in Greenville. The contractors said, hey, after hours, would you mind giving our guys some training on this? And hmm. using the methodology you gave us, I said, yeah. I said, but where's your safety guy? And the safety guy was like, you know, I'm a 500. I know construction like the back of my hand. Um, but I deal with guys out in the field, and as soon as the plant comes up, we bring a guy in under general industry because that's his that's his forte. Yeah. And um, after taking training, after having that call, and the next eight weeks um, working with guys after hours, showing the stuff that you showed us in the cost program, um, working with the general industry guys because they kept saying, well, how do we know that this is good behavior and using the same information you taught us on BBS? Um, yep. you know, that was just huge. Uh, the reason the guys would do certain things is because everybody else blocked their path. So they'd climb over or they'd find other ways around that were not safe. Yeah, work's got to get done and they're going to find a way to, to get to work, right? Yeah, and, and that was the issue. Yeah, uh, Luckily, when we talked with the general industry guys, they quit setting up danger barricades without contact information so that the guys would quit trying to find other ways into the area, you know, yep. and they knew that they could be terminated for it, but they had, like you said, you know, they, the push was on to build this plant, build it safely, uh, but get two different, you know, backgrounds and two different standards to work together. And because of that, um, once the plant came online, uh, it was so successful. Our, injury rate when I took over the safety program and I'll, I'll send you some of the documentation just, you know, so we could show guys that have taken your class, how effective it is. The insurance industry uh, sent a group of people out there. And I say the insurance industry, the ones with this program, it was an OSIP program uh, came out and we had a hundred percent pass site one uh, wow. because we, we told the guys how important it was for record keeping training uh, because I'd done weeks of it afterwards, uh, 
injury rates had dropped. Uh, I can't tell you how many incidents went down. I'm sure we had near misses that were not reported. Um, and, and that's that's the way it is in construction. Some guys just are not going to admit to it. Um, yeah, because they think they're going to get in trouble. So exactly, exactly. And and that's part of that behavior program. They they saw with the OSIP site certain things. You know, if it occurred, you had the training and the information, you were terminated. So we turned that around. Said no, if you report it and you save another person, you do this. You know, we actually built them up. Um, and took them with the group. So what they've got documentation, I'll have to send you a copy of the injury rate was approximately the recordable injury rate was one every three months. Um, I can't remember how many where they re- reassigned to like tool rooms and stuff. Uh, when I took over and actually worked with the company and worked with the contractors, it dropped down to, we had a single recordable in a year. Uh, and what it happened. Yeah, and what had happened, it was actually a low operator had a heart attack uh, and drove into a ditch. Um, So it's not toot my own horn. It was, what I'm trying to say is the reason it was so successful was your class taught me how to incorporate the training everybody needed, uh, how to cross both boundaries and say, hey, this is our limit of training. Here's what we can and can't do. What do we need to do on the general industry side? And yeah. um, so that gave that, you the uh, the confidence to to uh, go ahead and and well, I forgot the name of your first business because you just changed it to Allen to Safety Guide. Yeah. But the, safety, know, seconds. safety seconds. Safety or, seconds. Yeah. Yeah, safety seconds. So that gave you the confidence to start Safety Seconds. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, in, in the closing of the construction project. Because you, what you taught me was so successful, and because I took it a step further uh, to do cross-boundary training, uh, I was hired as the safety and superintendent. Me stepping out had numerous job offers, and I said, "No, this this was such a successful program. Let's yeah, get involved it. with more construction guys." And it took off. Uh, yeah, I've trained in four different states, primarily Tennessee, uh, North mm-hmm. Carolina, South Carolina, Kentucky and the Virginias, and it was people that were in this area that worked on the projects and said, hey, if you start to see your programs falling, give this guy a call. And uh, that went from working out of state uh, to working with various counties, uh, Hamlin County here in Tennessee. Uh, I don't want to say how many violations they had, but they they had some circumstances. And one of the mechanics that took my OSHA class said, hey, let's get this guy to fix this. And uh, it, it took off. Um, yeah. Well, the rest I, is I history. Uh, <laughs> now, um, I always push getting cities and counties and your local municipalities to to uh, be part of your client base because they they truly, uh, when they get safety, they'll stick with you. And I, you know, even now I still get calls of people who for safety and health training. So how did you get initially, um, how did you get that, that hookup, that connection to get into the state, uh, into the county system? Okay. Uh, initially, when one of the guys that was working for them, he had actually been on the project I was on. Uh, he had talked to his foreman, who was over road construction. They had just received their citation. They were actually looking from somebody from uh, University of Tennessee to do their training that was part of the uh, uh, school system to come out. 
And one of the concerns with the business manager for the county was that, okay, we're going to get OSHA training. They're going to come out with a PowerPoint and they're going to stick with that because it's safe. We need somebody that's been in construction um, that could show us a lot of variances that, yes, this is this, but they did do a search for instructors through the state. I can't remember that old website that would list OSHA instructors and other instructors. Um, yes, I remember that one. That was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and it was great because they could, you know, the individual could list all the different things that they trained on. Um, why that went away, I don't know. Uh, the next biggest thing was LinkedIn. You know, people on there asking for references. They'd ask why, and they'd say, "Oh, we're going to have them do training." And then they said, "Hey, yeah, oh, uh, that reminds me, we need some annual training." And so they hired me again, and you know, it was just back and forth. Um, yeah, yeah. But That's having great. developing my own web page or blog was a huge asset, uh, especially when I could put client with clients' permission. You know, put their names on and say, you know, what type of work did I do? Uh, give them access to my reviews, both and I gave both bad and good. Um, okay, you know because I, I think that if you show all good, they're wondering, well, what part are we not seeing? So yeah. having that having that being open and uh, letting them assess it themselves, I think really helped me because they said, "What have you done differently since then? Uh, how yeah. do you how do you deal with that?" Um, yeah. So now that you're, uh, you you took a, a full time job and you have your job part time or your business part time, uh, what's your your uh, is there a takeaway that you you did in learning that transition? Well, one of the reasons that I went to the full side was to help out the company. I couldn't do that for various reasons um, as a consultant or as a contractor for them. Um, in part. I took it in order to have some downtime, uh, stay local, handle other contracts I had. Uh, I still do it on the weekends uh, for those that may have to take a full-time position. Um, but with the Haswopper training and some of the uh, clients I can't discuss on that side uh, due to the reasons that they have Haswopper, uh, some of the takeaways I had, you know, the consultant contracting business, you're going to be very busy. Uh, yeah. Right. Right now, with some family members that need constant attention, uh, I had to step back uh, the range of travel, and you know, once you do that, it affects your your income. Um, so, so I went in with the company that uh, not only utilized my training, utilized my services, um, but liked it so much that all their clients have been given notice that on the weekends I do training. And have offered their training center so that our cli- their clients don't have to pay for one. Um, so still doing the training, still doing audits uh, after hours mm-hmm. for a lot of the clients. But uh, yeah, there there came a time and point where the family obligations got to where it impacted. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's strategic. So you have to yes, you have to do that for your family. And it's actually in just hearing it from 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 your end, it looks like it's it's still going to benefit you in the long run when you're when yes. you're ready to go back full time. So this is this is a win win because I'm sure it's going to give you some extra stability financially and all the other ways if they give you insurance and all that stuff. And you get to grow your business continually at the same time. 
Yeah, that's correct. And one of the other benefits to this, Sheldon, to be honest with you, is like, uh, you know, I'm going through online academy uh, that you presented, but uh-huh. where some of my other annual certifications are coming up, the the cost, the CSM, uh, I can focus on make sure I have the latest information that when I go into training, I, I have that availability, um, not turning down clients for, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I've got to redo my certifications. Um, so it's good that it gave me that pause to do all that, develop myself uh, to be more beneficial to my client base later on. And, uh, regardless, not even the training, like if you have a, a current situation happening at the job right now, ocean compliance question, any anything, I'm, I'm at your disposal, see what I can do to help. And if not, we'll look it up live. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, right Right now, my biggest thing, uh, I am getting more and more in general industry, but uh, yeah, I'm trying to actually research for one of the clients that we're working with. Uh, and I did this with Kellogg's too, but Kellogg's had an exceptional program built in. Um, but about combustible mm-hmm. dust, you know, um, the client is asking our people um, to help them develop a program. They, they make rubber and gaskets and stuff. Um, but yep. their concern is because they saw on the chemical safety board, the CSB video uh, about a facility in North Carolina. But oh, yeah. where would you video. suggest... Oh, did you? Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. had they had some interesting stuff. But where would you suggest getting good information on you know how to prevent combustible dust? You know, uh, I know it sounds like it'd be easy, but their concern is we have to clean as we go. We can't shut down operations. And I said, well, that's going to be a unique uh, challenge for us to try and set this up. Well, it's the the hands down the best resource is coming from ANSI. So I have to look up the ANSI standard on combustible dust. I can't remember it offhand right now. I but, can't um, either. <laughs> but they actually have uh, the cleanup criteria in inches. So you can see if you put in your policy that at a certain inch of accumulation of dust or accumulation of combustible material, we're going to have to do cleaning. And it's the the cleaning not only on the floor, it's the raft, the rafters are your issue because it's oh, the yes. secondary blasts are the yep. big issue. So if that's where the accumulation of dust is the most, so you might end up having to do like slow production time, give them some sort of, um, give them a protocol under slow production or just say, are you guys committed to hiring someone to do this instead of you shutting down and cleaning? Uh, this is how much it, it would affect you if the whole facility blows up. Are you opposed to let's shut this part down <laughs> and let's hire someone to clean this section and then we'll just keep working it and outsource it? I like that. that that's excellent. Yeah, the uh, well, one of the things they asked me about, uh, because I used to work with asbestos when I was working up in Alaska, uh, was asking would it be possible to set up sections of the plant and basically you know envelope that work area to prevent dust from transferring into other workstations. Uh, and I said, well, yeah, we we can always do something like that, but you know we'd have to look at uh, everything involved with that. You know, how are you getting it down? And they said, well, usually you blow it off. And I said, no, 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 you you don't want to put it back into the air. You know, you're making fine particles now. So, you know, explain to them about vacuum systems, wet method, 
um, similar to silica to keep that dust level down. And uh, so, yeah, I I was hoping you have more information, and I'm glad you just responded with the ANSI standard uh, because that's huge. But also, I guess I can pull from HACCP, not that it's food grade, but they actually have a lot of information about contamination, uh, how to clean up that I may be actually able to use. So see, you just told me again. (laughs) So the, the F, uh, the NFPA is really good because they do give you a a lot of, um, uh, specification on how to, uh, how to realize when you're in a dangerous situation is really what they're, and how to avoid that. So I, I would use that one. And that's good you said that, too, because in the video we showed them from the CSB. Yeah, brother, you know, it's the little things like that. I mean, uh, on the construction side, you know, talking about the uh, silica and table one and getting the guys to look and see uh, different things. Yeah, this this is a benefit. I'm going in on a new level, you know, not looking at their electrical, not looking at stuff, but ha- now having to face new challenges, Um for people that are going to be going in and getting involved with, you know, say the cleaning of this combustible dust. And um, again, working with them on fall protection because of the new MEWP standards coming up and trying to get all this put together. Yeah. So, and quite honestly, your justification, you could just use um, uh, two things. One, you could go back to the OSHA um, safety pays and look at the safety pays and uh, say, this is how much a burn would be, just one burn. And you can look up uh, the one burn and, and see how much that'll cost them. Oh, uh, no. Not oh, only explosion. No. So I do like, um, I, I in my quotes, I actually do uh, an example of like, uh, for instance, if I'm doing lockout tag out, I'll show them, all right, this is what we're going to do. One electrical shock uh, at a 5% profit margin that's going to save you X amount. My price is a lot better than than this amount here. <laughs> so here's the first thing I would do is I'll go ahead and look here. So one burn, as you can see, the direct cost, let me uh, get closer for you. What's that, 48000 Oh. Yeah, 48000 is the indirect cost because they may say insurance is going to pick it up. That's this cost over here. That 43 uh, is insurance cost, the direct cost. But the stuff that they're going to have to pick up is going to be the 48000 That's That's the things that's represented here to the background. And this is all the stuff that you already went through with the cost program, right? So this is, I would just go ahead and, and highlight this. Control C, copy it and paste this straight into your justification letter and show them these are all the indirect costs that insurance isn't going to pick up. And it's not counting the fines. And then then you can now show them that, hey, I am going to save you X amount of dollars just by having this system in place. And that's just a burn. It was something else. And then the other thing for your justification letter, because I would assume you you probably have to do that somewhere, is uh, the good old data statistics. Um, They're manufacturing, right? Yes. Yeah. And you said rubber manufacturing? Yes. Yeah. I can't give their name out, but yes, it's a a bone broker. (laughs) I'm going to look up an establishment search and see if there's any company that 
calls himself rubber manufacturing. And uh, actually, there is a few. So uh, I'm going to highlight their code here. Here's one company that's got yeah, six. Look at, look at six violations. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Here's one in Tennessee, Ames. So I'm going to look up uh, Ames real quick so we can see what their citation was. If they're in Tennessee, you would probably be looking at the same type of citation. So uh, let's see, 2012 uh, says so machine guarding. Has uh, come down below. below. Yeah, yeah, two has comes over here. And whatever your Tennessee rule here is this. But uh, they've got a couple of machine guarding ones. A mechanical power press so uh it that may not give you anything about the combustible dust but we did um highlight the code let me check this one here all three of them were complaints you notice that yeah i did i i when i saw that on there when you scrolled down i was like oh, okay yeah so uh here we go all right, I bet you this one uh, might be the combustible dust, but let me check the other standards real quick. So here's walking, walking surface, uh, lockout, tagouts, no, 704. That's, uh, that's Haswhopper, isn't it? Uh, 1200's Haswhopper, or has what communication. Yeah, that 12, 1910, 1200, hazard communication. Let's see. Hazard communication. What's uh, 170? Eight. Eight. Isn't that uh that might be um your Hasdropper? Oh nope, powered industrial truck. Ah, forklift. I should remember that. See? Fail. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't remember it either. So. I'm gonna go back uh, to again, <laughs> 147. What's that one? Is that like a tag out? Yeah, 147, Lotto. Yeah, Lockout. So I'm surprised they didn't get that. All right, so let's go back here, walking and working surface. So chances are this may be, it's, it won't be combustible dust or else it'll be in a subpart H, but there might be some sort of accumulation of the walking and working surface. They don't well, tell you. Yeah, usually with rubber, you got that carbon black material that causes a very slick surface plus the oils. So, yeah, it, it could be, well, they got a serious on that, too. Yeah, so even even if you're going to go with the cleanup for for the actual condition of the place, the, the, the walking working surface side, you know, this is $2,008 in, I think this one was Alabama. Uh, but either or, you could at least say, you know, can we hire somebody for 64,000 to do some of this work or 6,400, excuse me. And then the other one was like 48,000. So if we could avoid a burn or if we could avoid a citation on the, on the housekeeping, uh, then it might be worth your while to, you know, do this. And that's, that's the, uh, the approach I would go with for, for getting your justification. I'll do one more thing here with the data statistics. And, uh, and I know we're probably, you've got your workers out there and I, I do actually have to, run them. but uh, let's do an industry profile with the NACIS code just so we can uh, see if there's any mention of this. So I copy the code from that, uh, that initial establishment search. Right. So 
for the rubber manufacturing, it looks like like a tag out is very top citation and flammable and combustible liquids down there, but I don't see combustible dust that high. I see combustible and flammable liquids. Yeah. 1904. Hmm. That's strange. The record keeping one there too. So it looks like the highest one, the only thing that they'll be applicable would probably be uh, this one here, which would be the walking and working surface violation. So that was one citation for 1100. And, and what was the page you used to look up that SIC code, children? Uh, once you go to... Uh, oh, that's that NAI. Okay, I thought it was SIC. Yeah, it's the NIC gives you a little bit more. So uh, let me go back. So it's on the data statistics page here. And then you want to go to frequently cited standard right under the general duty standard search. And then you could just paste in that code. So that's the best way I think uh, you can you can find that out. Maybe that'll help. And let me know what you think, if, or at least if you could get that uh, get that uh, worked out. I'll be glad to help you out on that. I appreciate it, Sheldon. And I appreciate the opportunity to interview with you. This week's tip of the week is to use OSHA as one of your reference points, but not just OSHA. You want to make sure that you go to anything else that's applicable and the best way that you could find out other applicable standards especially if they have been through the vetting process of OSHA uh, is to look at section 6 of 1910 1926 in general industry or construction uh, you want to find information that's incorporated by reference so that means OSHA says entities such as the National Fire Protection Association or Compressed Gas Association, someone like that, they've got so much information about certain chemicals, certain processes, certain, certain procedures, that their guidance is even better than what we could put together. So we're going to use their pamphlet, their booklet, their uh, voluntary standards as if it is OSHA's standard and we're going to incorporate their documents into OSHA's standard and it'll be incorporated by reference so look for an incorporation by reference and then uh, go to that particular entity and look at the document that's being incorporated by reference and use that as another backup to your uh, your justification of services as well as uh, something that you'll include in your written programs, your training, any of that. So just know that OSHA isn't the end-all to be-all. You've got a lot of other entities out there that could really help you understand how to uh, be a better consultant. So look for incorporations by reference first and foremost to see if there's another entity that OSHA has already talked to and then uh, to back that up I would talk to if there's an operator at a facility that's been doing the work or uh, someone that's actually has more experience than you in the process talk to them get a good understanding of what they do how they do it and find out from them if there's any resource or reference that they go back and they refer to to help them with their job or 
they would give to a new guy for training. So that document as well, whatever it turns out to be, you could use that as another justification for your recommendations. And then it also gives you another uh, back insight as to a holistic view of whatever that problem is that you're trying to solve. It's not every safety consultant can solve every single problem. So that's why you need to uh, go back to resources. And when I say not solve every problem, I mean by memory or uh, just right off the blue without doing research. Part of our job is to go back and do some research and really find out what other documents outside of OSHA standards have to say. Because again, OSHA standards are minimum standards. That means, bottom line, <laughs> that's the last, uh, that's the standard that you should minimally hit. You want to get to standards that are going to be higher in quality, meaning uh, some of these other entities. <laughs> ANSI is another one, the consensus standards we call that. ANSI's documentations, they go really in detail, step by step by step of how to do particular things. And even if it's like equipment, They'll show you exactly how uh, to make sure equipment's been tested and rated correctly. Uh, you're not going to find that in OSHA standards. So go beyond OSHA. The first look for incorporation by reference as section six of each standard, uh, especially general industry and construction. And then uh, you should also talk to an operator, talk to someone that's doing the job. What resources do they go to? Uh, and then the other thing might be just go ahead and, and just look it up. Look up something in the American National Standards Institute, ANSI. If it has to do anything with fire protection or equipment that can cause fire, then you're going to want to look into National Fire Protection Association. If it's electrical, go to the National Electrical Code. If you're not in the U.S., then you could also find other entities in your country that are outside of your regulatory body just so that you could get a good understanding of other professionals that can help you and, and other material that can help you as giving you a clear understanding how to advise a client. So that is the tip of the week and I will see you next week, next Monday. So enjoy your week and go get them. This podcast is being sponsored by safetyconsultantblueprint.com. This episode has been powered by Safety FM. Here's the thing about new cherry vanilla Coke. Though cherries named first, all the flavors taste just as great. I mean, it could have just as easily been vanilla cherry Coke, or it could have been Coke cherry vanilla. And since it's two amazing flavors of Coke, it might have been Coke vanilla cherry Coke or cherry vanilla Coke Coke. Mm, unless you're in France, which would make it Le Coke de la Vanilla de la Cherry de la Creme. New Cherry Vanilla Coke, so good together. And New Cherry Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar, same great taste, zero sugar. 